0: Welcome to this week's views from the 573 Podcast. Hope you all are doing well this week, wherever and however you're joining us this week, whether it's through Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, or Anchor, we thank you guys for joining us this week. We got a lot to cover this week. We got NBA starting back officially. We got the MLB playoffs. We might have a World Series set up as soon as tomorrow night. College football's in full swing. We're a couple weeks away from the playoff rankings. The first ones being revealed. NFL season. We're about have. We're about at the thir- one third mark of the season, uh, with the 17 game schedule. So we're going to talk about that. Some of the things that that are coming out with the NFL. Some players moving to new teams. Could Deshaun Watson get traded? We'll talk about all that this week, but before we get into any of that, again, be sure to go check us out, wherever you guys get your podcast, whatever your preference is, check out views on there, subscribe, give us five stars, all that good stuff, at, as well as the entertainment podcast. We just uploaded an episode yesterday on that channel, where me and Peter, we got together, talked about a lot of things, including the new James Bond film, No Time to Die, we talked about that. We talked about DC fandom, that Batman trailer that everybody's excited about. We talked about everything from that event and more in the latest entertainment pod. So be sure to go check that one out as well. And also go check out the official podcast Twitter account, 573pods. Give us a follow there and so you can keep up with the latest action from us. So with that being said, let's get on into this week's show. Now, to preface the NBA preview, which we'll do here after the MLB, try to get Charles on. Schedules couldn't work out, so we're going to bring him on later down the road is the plan, and we'll talk about it. Maybe it'll be in a couple weeks after the first few games have been played, and we'll talk about our first impressions of how the season has unfolded thus far. And hopefully that's something me and him can do periodically throughout the season. When we're about a month into the season, we're getting close to halfway point, all-star break, all that good stuff. So, hopefully we're able to get to do that, but just hold on for that in the meantime, and me and him will get on and talk about everything with the NBA season. And what a wild couple nights to start off the NBA season with. So, before we get into any NBA stuff, let's talk about the MLB and the postseason being in full swing we had game number 5 of the ALCS between the Astros and Red Sox along with game number 4 of the NLCS with the Braves and the Dodgers right now Houston is has a 3 to 2 lead over the Red Sox while the Braves have a 3 to 1 series lead over the, the Dodgers i'll tell you what guys this Astros and Red Sox series t- My goodness, like I'm looking at the games that these teams have played. The only close game was game one when the Astros won five to four. And then in game two, Red Sox, of course, hit those two grand slams. Astros, they did make they did try to make a valiant effort to come back losing nine to five. Uh, And pretty much after that, none of these games have been closed. Game three, Red Sox 12-3. Astros in game four, 9-2. Game five, Astros 9-1. So it's just like one team is blowing out the other at this point. Right now, Braves and Dodgers, it's been a more contested series. The first three games were one-run games with the Braves winning game one, 32. Dodgers Losing game two as well, five to four, and then them coming back in game three at L.A. and winning six to five, and then you had last night's game with the with, with the dot or with the Braves winning that one nine two. The only real blowout of that game of the series, and now you have game five at L.A. tonight. The Braves can close the series out and clinch a World Series berth. It's been a long time for the Braves to get to this point and get back to the World Series. And tonight, it, and they got a chance. And this is one of their many chances to get into this. They got, at this rate, three games to win one. That's what, that's what they have. And they're hoping to close things out tonight. The The Astros, they're looking to close things out tomorrow night in game 6 where that game is going to be at Houston and you got to think the Astros are somewhat of a favorite in that game considering it's at home for them they got home field advantage and they've won the, the these last two games pretty well at Boston no less outscoring them 18 3 in those two games at Boston so I mean, and considering how game number three, game number three went with the Red Sox won twelve to three, it's a really nice comeback for the Astros. And so everything is set up here for the Astros to win game six tomorrow night. We'll see how the Braves handle game number five. I know L.A. is going to be rowdy tonight, and trying to make sure that the Dodgers stay alive for one more game and try to get the series back to Atlanta and try to win those two games to go back to the World Series. Maybe the maybe the Braves are going to exact their revenge from last season. Right now, it's looking like it. So, if everything holds, it looks like we could have an Atlanta Braves versus a Houston Astros World Series. An interesting World Series, nonetheless. It, it wouldn't have the storylines of, say, maybe a Dodgers-Red Sox or a Dodgers-Astros. But I think it will be interesting, nonetheless, with how the Braves have been the last few years with, all, with a lot of the young talent that they have with Ozzie Albies, Ronald Acuna. You got guys like Freddie Freeman there. They got, they got some guys that are anxious to get into to the World Series and ready to get into those big moments in a championship series like that. And for the Astros and Red Sox, listen, these are two teams that have been the World Series here in recent years. And with, of course, the Astros – So the Astros, I think, would have the the upper hand there if it is the Braves, considering their experience and how well the Astros have played the last several seasons to where they're constantly in the ALCS, to where they're in a couple World Series. So I would say if it holds true, if it's Astros and Braves, I think the Astros do have the experience being in the World Series. I think that could give them a certain edge but don't count out the Braves with how they're handling the, the Dodgers right now it's pretty impressive but again game 5 at LA tonight at 7, 708 first pitch and tomorrow night Red Sox at Astros 708 first pitch with that one again Atlanta leads 3 to 1 and Houston leads 3 to 2 so we might have our world series set up by tomorrow night so we'll just have to see how these two games unfold, and whether we're going to get a couple of big, big time games on Saturday with a potential Game Six at Atlanta and a potential winner takes all Game Seven at Houston on Saturday as well. So we'll just have to see how that goes. So exciting stuff with the baseball season winding down. Now let's switch gears, guys. Let's go over. And talk some NBA basketball. And we've all been anxiously awaiting the NBA's return. I I can't say this enough. This is one of my most favorite times of the year. Where you have baseball in its final stages. You're getting close to the World Series. You have the NBA season starting to pick up. Exciting to see what storylines unfold. NFL's in full swing. College football's in full swing. I'm not even mentioning hockey, I don't watch a whole lot of hockey, but if you're a sports fan in general, you're just excited with how much sports are on right now, how much is going on through the entire landscape of the sports world, so you got to be happy with this, and with the NBA coming back, it only adds another sport to the spectrum of what you can watch in the in this period of the year, so... Really excited to talk about the NBA season, so let's discuss the NBA season as a whole right now. I think right off the bat, the two storylines I think we're all watching for is what's going on in Philadelphia and what's going on in Brooklyn. Let's start in Philadelphia. I, I thought, I think there could have been a couple other people that maybe thought this with, it look like Ben Simmons, he's coming back. They found a way to work together. He's coming back, going to practice, and it looks like he's going to be there for the start of the season. Fast forward a few days later, you have this news story. He gets kicked out of practice. Things are looking really unsettled there, and in which the Sixers should be talked about as a potential title contender coming from the East. I got to think about, Ben Simmons and this distraction and answering questions about Ben and maybe their relationship with Ben and be at this point is just tired of the man. He said so himself. And so that's obviously not how you want to start the season. If you're a Sixers fan, you wanted to start off talking about potential title aspirations that you have for this team being the number one seed last year and not, not coming away, getting getting into the finals. That's this isn't what you want. to have to deal with to start your season, and then in Brooklyn you got what's going on with Kyrie Irving. He's not going to be participating at all because of his because of him being unvaccinated and not following the NBA, NBA policy on on this. So he's not going to be playing at all, and so it's just going to be Harden and KD and everybody else on that Brooklyn team, which still really good. We just you won't have Kyrie there as your third star as your big three so those are the two storylines to immediately watch out for and I'm kind of intrigued I I don't know who would come back first whether it's Kyrie or Ben Simmons honestly I might go to Kyrie it sounds with how like with how the Ben Simmons situation has unfolded it sounds like they might just tell him just to stay away and we'll just and we're going to figure this out and and see what we can do and see if there may be a potential offer on the table down the line. And from what I've heard or read about Kyrie and what he's been talking about, a couple of people seem to think that there might be a little bit of leeway to where maybe he could come back where he made a stance but still get vaccinated and come back and play this season. So that will be interesting. It, I mean, it's it's very tough to say out of both those out of both those players, who would be the most likely to come back between the two. It, 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 it's a it's a tough thinking exercise. Let me tell you, I I thought about it last night, and trying to get stuff ready for the positive today, and I'm like, I really don't know. I got to think about this. Who would come back first, Kyrie or Ben? So. Those are the two storylines we're immediately watching out for to start the rest of the start this season. And so let's go to the East. Let's stay in the East and let's talk about the Eastern conference right now. Obviously, I think the Nets are still a contender even without Kyrie. I mean, you got Kevin Durant, and James Harden. These two guys are two of the best scores uh, of, <laughs> of this last decade. And, and I think, listen, those two are going to run your team hard and he can take care of point guard duties for Kyrie. And listen, he Kevin Durant, I mean, what else do you need to say about him? This dude is an elite scorer. And so I think if you're Brooklyn, I still think you feel pretty good about having a uh, having a chance at winning the title this year. They were so close last year, so close. They were a few inches away from winning that series with the Bucs last year in the Eastern Semifinals. If Kevin Durant's foot wasn't so freaking big, if it wasn't so freaking big, they uh, might, they would have had a shot in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think, obviously, the Bucs, the defending champions, they're obviously a contender in the East as well. You have Giannis, who, again, if Giannis can keep on improving and adding to his game, He's only going to get more dangerous, which is kind of scary considering how dangerous he already is. Chris Milton, Drew Holiday, a solid, be a solid couple options behind Giannis. They're pretty much bringing a lot of pieces from that team back this season, and so there's a little bit of continuity there. And so I think the Bucks again they have to be they have to be a favorite, not just because they won it, but because they they probably have the best player in the league right now. And then I think there's a couple other teams. I mean, if the Sixers, if they get their stuff together, maybe it's a possibility. Or maybe if they work a trade and find a way to get a trade set up where, to where maybe they can get something good back, it's quite possible. Uh, I think Miami is probably another team from the East side you have to expect is going to be pretty good and is going to have a shot at maybe trying to get into that title range to where they can get to the Eastern Conference Finals and get back to the Finals after, of course, losing what seems like – it was a year ago, but we basically had a season in between, so two seasons ago with them losing to the Lakers in the bubble. I mean, and they added some really key pieces. They added Kyle Lowry to run the offense. They got P.J. Tucker to, to help out. You got Duncan Robinson back, Tyler Hero. You hope he takes another step in his progression. You got Jim and Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and of course, we we we've are, me and Charles have talked about this, and like with how Spolstra has done with the Miami Heat organization since he started there. He always gets his guys ready to play. There's a certain style there. They they really develop their players there. So Miami, I think, is a team that is definitely in that range of title contenders coming out of the East. I think it's probably them, Brooklyn, Milwaukee. And if Philly gets their stuff together, maybe so. Or maybe a team like Atlanta takes a huge dump. They, they did last year with the run that they had. Trey Young takes another step up in his maturation process. John Collins steps up. Kevin Herter, who signed an extension. Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, those two can stay healthy. There's a nice core there in Atlanta to build around, so we'll just have to see. Maybe, or maybe the Celtics, you know, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Maybe those two start to, maybe those two are enough to help the Celtics take the leap and get into that title range. They had a couple pieces this offseason. Dennis Schroeder, Josh Richardson, Al Horford coming back. And those might not be like huge pieces, but I think they're definitely some pieces that will help the Celtics team. And, of course, you got a new coach in Ime Udoka. So there's some possibilities there, but I think the top three teams to come out of the East are probably Brooklyn, Milwaukee, and Miami. I guess a couple other teams I'm to keep an eye on in the East. Charlotte, I think it's going to be a team to watch out for. Of course, LaMelo Ball, with him winning Rookie of the Year and what he does in a sophomore season is going to be fun to watch. And what he brings and if he takes another step into becoming one of the better young stars this league has to offer. Chicago, I think they're another team to watch. And what they did in the offseason, adding Lonzo, Speaking of the Ball Brothers, adding Lonzo, DeMar DeRozan to a group that features Zach Levine, Nikola Vucevic, Patrick Williams. I think that it's going to be an interesting combo to watch with with these players. Me and Charles were just talking about this last night and talking about some of our thoughts on the opening games. The Bulls are a team that could be interesting to watch with who they've added and see how much they add to this team. Could they uh, could they elevate this team? Zach Levine, we know he's a baller. Avusovic, he he's pretty much been uh, he's been an underrated player for a lot of his time in the league and just becoming an All Star about a year or two ago. So, I'm interested to see what Chicago does. Indiana is a team to watch as well. Hiring Rick Carlisle in the offseason. You're hopeful some guys that have had some injury concerns like TJ Warren and Karis LeVert. They get them back healthy with the roster that they have. And then then the, there's your bottom teams with Detroit. Obviously, we're going to want to watch Kate Cunningham and what he does. Number one overall pick. See if he can make an impact there. In the Motor City. Toronto. How does Toronto do? Now with no Kyle Lowry. With Siakam being the main guy there now. Along with Fred Van Fleet. And what does O.G. Anubi do? At now as presumably that third guy behind those two. What does somebody like Scotty Barnes coming in as a rookie. What impact will he bring to the table? You have somebody like Orlando. Cleveland. A lot of young players. We'll just have to see how they, how they do. I am mean, of course, excited to see the rookies on those squads with Jalen Suggs on the Magic and Evan Mobley on the Cavaliers. So, really int- intrigued by this East. I think probably the best teams right now are probably in the East with the Bucks and the Nets because, again, KD and Harden, that's hard to match. And the Bucks—they're the they're defending chance... In, probably have the best player in the league so really interested to see how this eastern conference unfolds so now let's go out west and let's talk about some of the early title contenders that we have here for the west i honestly think there's a lot more title contenders in the west but i don't i think the better teams are out east so, let's look a look, take a look at some of the title contenders that we have out west. Obviously, I think you got to start pretty much in the in the Pacific Division. You got to look at a couple teams there with the Lakers and the Suns. The Lakers of course m- making a lot of n- news this summer with who they brought in, bringing in Russell Westbrook, bringing DeAndre Jordan, bringing Rajon Rondo back bringing Carmelo, how does all this work? Is this a situation where it's like the what 2010 Lakers where they brought in Dwight and Steve Nash with, uh, to add to Kobe and Powell and, hopefully, and hope that would work? Or is this a different type of situation? It's all going to matter on how healthy LeBron is going into his 19th year. But, I mean, we know the story of LeBron. He's been pretty much healthy his whole career. I think it's pretty much all on AD and how healthy he stays throughout the season. How does Russell Westbrook fit in with those two? And what does Carmelo bring to the table? Does he give them a scoring punch off the bench? Uh, Phoenix, of course, losing to the Bucks in the finals. A heartbreaker. They re-upped Chris Paul again to a contract, again, I think is a little bit too big. But unless they bring him back, you, bring, you got Demon Booker, DeAndre Ayton, you extended Mikhail Bridges. I don't know what's going on with the DeAndre Ayton contract. That's weird to talk about with how they handled that situation, why he hasn't gotten an extension, and all all that good stuff. So maybe that could that's a talking point here with Phoenix throughout the season is that DeAndre Aiden extension, why didn't happen. So I think with the continuity they bring, with how Chris Paul impacted that team, I think it's only going to help further impact this team year two into his tenure there. So I think they're a title contender as well. Utah, I think Utah, who was number one seed in the West last year, they got to be in the mix as well. They had the best record in the league last year. That a lot of good three-point shooting out there. Donovan Mitchell being the star that he is. Rudy Gobert anchoring that defense. You gotta believe a lot of the stuff from this Jazz team will travel deep into the season and where they will quite possibly win fifty plus games again. But I think it's a matter of hitting those threes. You know the saying. You live by the three, you die by the three. We'll see how much that holds true, I think, for the Jazz this season as to whether they they take that next step in the postseason or whether they are still a ways away from getting into the NBA Finals. I also think probably the different nuggets. I think you can add the different nuggets to that mix. You got the MVP in Nikola Jokic, added Michael Porter Jr. and Aaron Gordon, both, uh, both of whom Really helped Denver last year, and you get Jamal Murray back. That's a huge help. Jamal Murray did not play a whole lot when, once they added Aaron Gordon. He got injured pretty soon after they got him, and who knows how much of a difference he could have made. If you remember his time in the bubble, the guy was going off like It, it was so hard to stop him. You couldn't. You. you oh no, you couldn't stop him. That's how good he was during the bubble. And the question is, will he pick up where he left off after knee surgery? That's going to be the question. And listen, you got the reigning MVP in Jokic. That's got to account for something. So Denver, I think is another team that can be a title contender for this upcoming season. As far as the other teams in the, in the West, the Warriors, huge news with Klay Thompson coming back this year. He didn't play opening night, but I'm assuming he's going to be coming back here pretty soon. So really excited to see how he fits in with this new kind of Warriors team that they got going on with Steph, Draymond. You got a couple of young guys in Moses Moody, Kaminga, James Wiseman. Jordan Poole is looking like he's going to be taking a huge step, which the Warriors got to be pleased with. So, excited to see what's going to happen in the Bay Area. The Mavericks, of course, he got Luka. How does he and Porzingis, how does that do, dynamic a work? You bring in Jason Kidd as the new head coach whether uh, and see whether he can impact th- this group of players in Dallas. You got the Clippers. A lot of this season depends for the Clippers on how Kawhi recovers from offseason knee surgery. If he's done for the season, then it's pretty much Paul George's team this whole season. If it's not, it's great. You get Kawhi back and potentially you get him back for a late season run in the playoffs. But you do pretty much... Keep the same guys that really helped uh, help make this team good last year. Reggie Jackson, with the spark that he added. Marcus Morris, Serge Ibaka. Terrence Mann came on late last year. You bring Eric Bledsoe back to L.A. So, a lot of interesting teams out uh, watch out, uh, out west that maybe aren't on the cusp of title contenders. But, who knows, maybe the Clippers could vault into that, depending on if Kawhi comes back and what Kawhi we get. Maybe Golden State vaults up into that. As far as some other teams to watch in the West, Portland, I think you got to watch them. Is there going to be anything going on with Dame and him potentially going out? We'll have to see. What is his mood throughout the season? But other than that, Portland's got a solid team coming in. Dame, McCollum, Nurkic. They've... Add in Larry Nance Jr., Norman Powell, who who had some pretty good games for Portland last season. We'll see how that team works. And my Grizzlies, you know, an awesome opening game last night for them with, with Ja and his heroics and already having about seven highlight reels, seven highlight plays in the opening game of the season. And him potentially taking that next step into his development, that's going to be fun. How much is this, how they traded Valanchunas. It shows the trust I think they have in Jaron Jackson and his ability. They gave him that extension, which honestly, I'd like the extension to where it, 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 they kind of, they front-loaded it and the salary decreases to where I think it's around that $23, 24000000 million range in that fourth year of the contract. So I'm excited to see what my Grizzlies can do. See if Ja can take that next step and potentially get into that all uh, some All Star talk this season. What will that playoff run do uh, for the Grizzlies last year? What will that uh, that playoff experience do in helping these guys become better pros at adding more stuff to their game and really becoming a team to watch out west? Next up, I. Uh, the Pelicans, I think they're a team that you gotta look out for, but it all depends on how healthy Zion Williamson is, because right now he's not starting off on the right foot. I don't know if that's a pun or not, but you got you gotta hope that Zion comes back healthy, because if he's healthy, he's he's a dominant force, and you do you did lose a couple pieces in the offseason. season. It helps that you have Brandon Ingram in town. Maybe Valentunas can continue his trajectory in his career with what he's been doing. Translate what he had in Memphis to New Orleans. Can Devontae Graham potentially help out with this organization as at the point guard spot? Who knows? But besides that, there's a lot of other teams out there that are probably not going to be good out west. The Spurs, we'll just have to see how the Murray, Derek White, Lonnie Walker—they're all solid, but are are they guys that are going to push this Spurs team over the edge? And how long is Greg? How long is Pop going to be there as the coach as well? So that's going to be interesting to watch. The Rockets—obviously, the thing to watch here is Jalen Green, number two overall pick. How is he going to fit with Christian Wood, Kevin Porter Jr., and Kenyon Martin Jr.? That makes me feel old. And how's how's that this young core fit? The Kings could could they potentially be a team on the rise if De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton, Davion Mitchell, Buddy Hield, you know, if those guys can really take a step up with, with this team, could can they find themselves in a position to potentially play in the playing tournament at the end of the season? Timberwolves. What type of leap does Anthony Edwards take in his second year? Because he had a pretty solid rookie year. Does he take another step in his sophomore season? What does Carl Anthony Towns do this year? You got to expect that he'll have another pretty good season. Is D'Angelo Russell a guy that's going to be here long term in Minnesota? Or is he going to be a guy that's going to be traded away? That's going to be a thing to watch. Could he potentially be somebody that can be traded for Ben Simmons? and then? Sorry, Charles, your Oklahoma City Thunder. Listen, there's a solid young core here led by Shea Gildas Alexander, but it's just going to be a lot of growing pains for the Thunder, I think. So there's the Western Conference. So let's talk about some predictions for this upcoming season as a whole. So I guess let's start off and let's talk about all, all the awards, and then we'll make some predictions on who I think is going to go to the finals and who's going to win the finals. So as far as some of the awards, so I guess let's start off. Who's going to win Rookie of the Year? And of course, Lamelo won it last year. Is it going to be somebody like Jalen Green, Cade Cunningham, or Jalen Suggs? And looking at it, NBA surveys from the GMs, a lot of GMs think Jalen Green is going to be Rookie of the Year. And you know what? I I'm probably in agreement with him. I think Jalen Green's going to get a lot of chances to show what he can do for this Houston team. Listen, they're not going to be in the postseason. It's just going to be a building year and try to develop these young guys. So I think Jalen Green. I think that's a pretty good. He's got a pretty good case to potentially win Rookie of the Year. So, but we'll have to see how Cade Cunningham does in Detroit. That's going to be the only other roadblock from Jalen Green getting this award, I think, and seeing how Cade does in Detroit. How does he help this team? Does he make that Detroit team a little bit better? So we'll have to see about that. Defensive player of the year. I mean, I think you are got to go with... One of the two guys that I've won it the last few years either Giannis or Rudy Gobert I'm more inclined to go Rudy because he's been that guy pretty much since he came to the league So I think if I had to go defensive player of the year, I think it's probably gonna be Rudy Gobert coach of the year If I had to say who's gonna be coach of the year Hmm You know, I'm intrigued by if the Knicks. We didn't necessarily talk about the Knicks a whole lot. But I'm intrigued by Thibodeau if he can maybe win it there. The Knicks obviously wanted that crazy overtime game last night. Double overtime game against the Celtics. Let me tell you what, guys. That game was drunk at the end. Everybody, I think, was worn out. It's like, let's finish this. So, I'm intrigued by the Knicks. And if they can continue... What they did last year, what they built on last year, they can continue to build upon that with how well Julius Randle played and him looking like he's found a home there. They added Evan Fournier to their rotation, so they got a little bit of shooting there in that backcourt. So I'm curious to see what the Knicks are going to do. I think Thibodeau maybe has a case to win the uh, win Coach of the Year, or maybe it's somebody like Eric spolstro who won it last year for Miami? Uh, who, who could potentially win it this year for Miami? With it, depending on how well this Miami team does this year, or could it be Steve Kerr, Tyron Lue, with if you don't have Kawhi for most of the season? So I think there's a lot of chances. I don't think you can go wrong with any of them. I I think finally MVP. Who is going to win it this year? You can make a lot of cases for a lot of players for KD, Luca, Giannis, Embiid, Steph, LeBron again. <laughs> you can make a lot of cases for, for these players. And honestly, I think KD will probably win MVP. I think I'm, I'm going to be, I, I will die on that hill. I think KD's going to win MVP. I think Giannis is going to be right behind him. You know, what? I will say Steph. I think Steph will finish third in there. I think Steph will finish third in there. I think it's, he's going to be reinvigorated, gonna, having Clay Thompson back. We'll have to see how Clay does when he comes back. But I have to imagine when Clay comes back, it'll take a lot of pressure off of him. To our teams will start to worry about. Oh, hey, that's Clay Thompson. I know he hasn't been on the court for two years, but crap, we got to guard the guy. And that might give Steph a lot more opportunities. And who knows? So I think katie's gonna win the mvp Giannis is gonna finish second and steph is going to finish third so guys there's the my my nba preview again hopefully we can get charles on to talk about the nba season as it goes along and talk about all the ups and downs and the twists and turns of an nba season of an 82 game schedule with uh, a lot of things a lot of things seeming to come back to some sort of normalcy for the nba where you got got fans in the arenas again and uh should be exciting to uh, should be exciting season to see what all happens and transpires in it so moving on from nba let's switch gears and let's talk about football now i gotta look and see where we started last week because uh, because we've been doing we've been flip-flopping college football nfl so let's see which are we getting started with as I pull up last week's podcast and see what we start, what we started with. Alright, so we're starting with the NFL this week. We looked at last week's schedule, we did college football first, so we're going to start with the pros this week. We're going to be talking about the NFL slate that was last week. So, obviously we don't have to talk about the Thursday night game since we did the pod on Friday last week. So, we don't have to talk about that one. The rest of the games, let's talk about Dolphins at Jaguars. Maybe the Jaguars need to stay at London for the rest of the season, for uh, for how they did. Trevor Lawrence's first win, Urban Meyer's first win in the NFL. Dolphins, there's a reason I think why they're in this. The Sean Watson talk, them, the Eagles, Panthers. I think there, there's a reason why those teams are interested in maybe trying to get another quarterback in Deshaun Watson that hasn't played the season at all, at all. He's got a lot of stuff hanging over him. But uh, not good for the Dolphins there. But we'll have to see. Could Deshaun Watson get a trade to them? And and maybe that could help help things out. We'll see. As far as 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 far as that stuff is concerned, I don't know what to expect out of a Deshaun Watson trade. Or uh, And I don't know what to expect with in regards to him playing this year at all. I honestly have no clue with, with all this stuff. You're going to have so many hoops to jump through if you're one of these teams trying to get him. And you don't even know if the guy's going to get to play this year. So, that'll be something to keep an eye on. Because it does sound like there's some traction to with a Deshaun Watson trade, just a matter of where and what's going to be given up to go and get them. Packers at Bears. Wait, did I mark this game wrong? I think, did, did I mark this game wrong? I could have sworn the Packers won. I I don't know what I'm thinking. I don't know why I marked that game wrong. Let me, let me see. Let me go check <laughs> to make sure. I I don't know how I miss this. I don't know how I marked that game wrong, because it, it seems it, it freaking seems like Aaron Rodgers owns Chicago. He owns the Bears. <laughs> um, so yeah, I so Packers end up winning this game, and uh, like Aaron said, he uh, he owns the he's got a piece of ownership in the Bears, with uh with how he owns this team. So. There's that game. Let's move on and talk about Chiefs at Washington. Chiefs have been struggling as of recent. And so they go and play a Washington team that's, that hasn't got what you want on the offensive end. Chiefs went 31-13. to Mahomes st- still had a couple mistakes in this game, a couple dumb picks. But... If you're a Chiefs fan, I think you just take the win and you move on to the next week and uh, figure all that stuff out in, before you have your game in week number seven. So, Chiefs with a nice bounce back there. And the Packers did win that game, 24-14. to I don't know why I marked that game wrong uh, on week six. I guess I just assumed it was wrong with how <laughs> the week went. So, Packers won that one. Vikings and Panthers. Talk about a fun game towards, towards the end there with that game of course going to overtime and the Vikings, they get the ball first. They drive the ball down the field. Kirk Cousins 373 yards through the air. Dalvin Cook, 140 on the ground. Adam Thielen with 126 receiving yards and a couple touchdowns along with that as well. And the Vikings go to Carolina and knock off the Panthers. So the Panthers, after starting off 3-0, not looking too good right now. Again, that might be a reason they could be in Deshaun Watson talks. Chargers at Ravens. I anticipate this one being a lot closer than it inevitably was. Baltimore thrashes the Chargers 34-6 and kind of surprising with how well the chargers have been playing as well i uh, i don't think a lot of, a lot of us expected this type of game with these two teams uh as far as the passing stats not not too good but baltimore of course with their rushing attack they can take control of time of possession they got a lot more first downs than the chargers 27 to 14 Lamar, 19-27, 167, a touchdown and two picks. Devontae Freeman helped out on the ground with 53 yards and a touchdown as well. So, big loss there from the Chargers as they drop the 4-2 and the Ravens. They move up to 3-1. and So, huge move for them. Arizona at Cleveland. Arizona, they stay undefeated, guys. Let me tell you, I mean, the Browns, I think, they're now three and three. They had a decent start. They played a decent game against the Chargers the week before. Now you got this Baker Mayfield injury that you're concerned about. Is he going to need surgery now, or are they going to wait for the season? That's going to be a question to that needs to be answered here pretty quickly. But the Cardinals, they they keep on rolling. Kyler Murray, twenty of 30 thirty, two hundred twenty nine and four touchdowns. He's certainly making a case for MVP right now. Like him, Josh Allen, and right now I think maybe Lamar, without he's been playing. I think those three, those three guys are making their case for getting the MVP award and bring it home. Next up, Cowboys at Patriots. A couple weird calls here, a couple uh, a couple miss calls here. But the Cowboys End up winning this game at New England 35 to 29 in overtime. Another overtime game. We had three overtime games here in week number six with Dallas going on to win this one 35 to 29. Dak Prescott, he is still looking good. 36 to 51, 445 yards, and three touchdowns to one pick. So Cowboys, they're looking really strong right now. 5-1, and one, clear runaway favorite in the NFC West, in the NFC East. So, Cowboys looking really strong here in the first six se- weeks of the season. And then Pittsburgh and Seattle. A game that I kind of had written off and thought, you know what? Seattle's got Geno Smith. Even though Pittsburgh's offense is not the best, I expect Pittsburgh to win this one and there be no questions about it. As Lee Corso would say, "Not so fast, not so fast." So Pittsburgh end up in a close game with Seattle at home against Geno Smith, and you know Seattle had a chance there. They they had a chance there, but you know I guess in classic Geno Smith fashion, he had a turnover there that really killed it there at the end. And Sailors only needed a field goal to win the game at that point, and they knocked it in in overtime. And win 23-20. to So, there's your Sunday night game. The Monday night game. I picked against my own team in this one. And I think for pretty good reason with how the Bills have been rolling teams here in the first few weeks of the season. Coming off that Pittsburgh loss. At Tennessee, you know the Bills Mafia travels well. And so... I went with the Bills this week in this one. And my Tines end up coming out on top. So of course that happens. Thirty-four to thirty-one. Highly contested game. With both with it being twenty to seventeen going into the first half. Let me tell you what. Josh Allen, that offense looked pretty unstoppable at times. But I'll tell you what, the Tines are getting some pass rush into the mix. That was something that obviously they missed a little bit. Uh, they didn't have last year. So this year it's there, but they're still giving up big plays. And us, and that cornerback room, my goodness, what a mess. You only have three healthy corners after Caleb Farley, who looks like his season is done, unfortunately. And no Christian Fulton, who's on the IR for the next couple games. But man. Talk about and talk about a way to perform in this game. Tannehill he started off bad, but finished strong. Didn't have a touchdown pass, but he didn't need to because Derrick Henry scored three touchdowns for him. Twenty carries, one forty-three on the ground, three touchdowns. I know Peter's happy about that because he's got him on his fancy team. So there you go. And that and those sets include that huge seventy-six yard touchdown run when they said that's the fastest of the season and that's the fastest of Henry's career with how fast he ran, I think it was like 21.8 miles per hour. That's nuts, considering Henry is 6'3 and 250. That's stupid. That shouldn't be possible. And as Des Bryant said, and so right that he is in saying this, Derrick Henry is a guy that we all created when we were younger on Madden. Boy, is that the truth. And huge shot there from Jeffrey Simmons there. Did Josh Allen slip a little bit? Maybe he did. Was it the right call? I'm going to make the same case I made for why Arkansas went for the two-point conversion against Ole Miss a couple weeks ago. Is that if you're on the road, I think you want to say, hey, let's just go and win the game. We don't have home field advantage. Let's go and win it on the road. If you're at home, maybe you kick the extra point, and you send the game into overtime because you're at home. So, I can see why Sean McDermott went and went for it on that in that in that situation. Put the ball in your best player's hands and let him go, trying to get you the first down, and try to go win this game. Just fell short for the Bills. Josh Allen slipped up possibly a little bit. Jeffrey Simmons made a big play there at the end. Titans gonna win 34 31. So that was week number seven, everybody. So let's switch gears and talk about week number seven, starting off tonight with Broncos at Browns. Case Keenum getting the start in place of Baker Mayfield tonight. And I will tell you what, guys. I still think I might I might pick the Browns, even though you got Case Keenum starting. He listen, Case Keenum. He did he he had some decent moments as a starting quarterback. He's been there for for a little for, been in Cleveland for a little bit now, and also I think with how the Broncos have been performing here lately, I still think that Brown's defense can wreak some havoc on that Broncos offense, so I'm more inclined to go with the Browns here to win this one at home on Thursday night and get back over five hundred. So I will take the Brownies here to win without Baker tonight. And without Kareem Hunt for what seems like the foreseeable future. So that's a huge loss in that Browns backfield. As now you got Nick Chubb as the main guy in that backfield. So there's the Thursday night game. Washington at Green Bay. I think with how well Green Bay has been playing here since that debacle that was week one against the Saints. They, they've they been doing pretty well here recently. And right now, the Packers, I mean, they're favored by a touchdown, at least. So, I'm going to go with the Green Bay Packers here to win this one at Lambeau. Chiefs at Titans. This is going to be a fun one. You still got to be worried about Mahomes and Tyreek Hill, so the Chiefs are going to get theirs. The question is, what is the Chiefs' defense going to do? Are they going to step up? And from what's been said about their defense this season, and in making a decent guess, I think the guess is probably no. That the, this defense is not going to help this week at all. Considering of what you what you got to go against. Yes, the Chiefs are five and a half point favorites right now at the moment. But with AJ Brown looking, he he had a big game in that Buffalo game. He made a couple big plays. Henry right now is feeling it and certainly making a case for MVP, even though it's probably going to go to a quarterback. He's certainly making a case for it. I think if you're the Titans, if you win this game, I think a lot of it's going to be what won you the Bills game is this defense. If they can create some pressure on Mahomes, you're still worried about Mahomes making some ridiculous pass, but this year. There have been some. Uh, he's made some ridiculous plays, but on some of those plays, they've turned into bad plays and turnovers for the Chiefs. So maybe you get a one or two that go your way for the Titans, and maybe you create some havoc and rushing Mahomes. Harold Landry has been awesome this year. Nice to see him have a resurgence. Maybe Bud Dupree and Jeff Simmons can get in on the party and try to rush the path, uh, rush Mahomes there. So, you know, I think I'll take my team this week. I think I'll take my team this week. Although I think it, this one is going to be a shootout as as well. I think it's going to be a high scoring game with both both these teams putting up a lot of points. It just depends on which defense is gonna, is better and is going to make the stop here. In all honesty, it's kind of like the Ole Miss and Falls game here. It's kind of like that game. Which defense I think is better and can make the stop to win the game. So, I'll go with my tines there. Sorry, Rebecca. Uh, Bengals at Ravens. Matt, I'm not going to pick against your Ravens here, I don't think. I think with how well your Ravens have been performing as of late, I like what I see from the Ravens. And Lamar right now, as I mentioned, I think he's playing himself into potentially that MVP conversation. So. I'll take the Ravens here. I'll, I'll go. I'll take the Ravens here. Get a huge w- in division win over a Bengals team that's that's pretty good right now. That's four, sitting at four and two, and is the only other team in the AFC North that's really putting up a fight as to maybe who can win that division. Although the Bengals win, this could be a huge signature win for them going forward. It could be huge for them. If they do, it puts them at five and two. Knocks a Raven down a game, and you have a game on the Ravens. So this could be that could be a big game for the Bengals right there. But I got the Ravens wing that one. Right now the Ravens are not uh, not quite a touchdown favorite, six and a half, but they're they're close enough to it. So give me the Ravens here. Panthers at Giants. I fully expect the Panthers to bounce back. We'll have to see how Danny Dimes is feeling. Of course, I mean, listen, coming off the hit, he took a a couple weeks back. I mean, listen, that's no fun. So I got the Panthers bouncing back in this one and going to New York and taking care of the Giants and getting back over 500. Eagles at Raiders. This this should be an interesting one. The Raiders I think they really need that win last week after the week they had. Just get some positivity back in that building and maybe they build off of it this week and get a win here over the Eagles. They're favored by 3. I will you know, yeah, I will take the Raiders here to win this one. Derek Carr, he's been playing at a really high level this season, too. And if the Raiders hadn't dropped a couple games here, maybe he's right in that MVP conversation. But who knows? Maybe a performance here can get him into that conversation right here. Texans at Cardinals, I don't even think I need, need to talk this one through. Cardinals here. I I don't even need to. I don't even need to think about this game. Cardinals. Uh, Bears and Buccaneers. The only way I think the Bears can stay in this is if this defense can give Brady and this Bucs offense some fits. If they can get to Tom, if they can hit him, pressure him, and all that good stuff, that's usually the recipe to 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 try to have some success on Tom. I just think the Buccaneers are too much of a better team. They're too strong. They're 12 and a half point favorites. Maybe the Bears are a little bit more competitive than that. But I still think the Buccaneers, they win this one and continue their good season that they're they're starting off to in the first few weeks of the season. Colts at 49ers. Colts, uh, they lost a huge piece to their defense in Julian Blackman. Nice young safety. He's done for the season. Got hurt in practice. So that's going to hurt for the Colts. I mean, things are not looking good for the Colts right now. Yes, Jonathan Taylor has been pretty good this year. You'd like to see some more of Carson Wentz, even though they haven't asked him to do a whole lot. I I feel... I feel like I'm going to take the 49ers here. the The 49ers are four point favorites Sunday Night Football at home. Give me the 49ers here to win this one on Sunday Night Football, and then the Monday Night game, Saints at Seahawks. I feel like this is one I could go either way on. Right now, the Seahawks, they are not a favorite in this game. They're four and a half point underdogs at home. Saints, they're three and two. Or, or they're three and two. They're coming off their bye week, so they got a little bit of rest there. So that is possible that it helps them. A game decided with Jameis Winston versus Geno Smith. And. I think I am going to have to go with the Saints here. I think give me the Saints here to win this one at Seattle. So that is week number seven to everybody, and that is the NFL. So let's switch gears and let's talk some college football. And we'll start off our college football talk talking about UCF, UCF going to Cincinnati this week. Cincinnati, obviously, they're ranked number three due to what's happened in college football the past couple of weeks. With you know, Iowa going down, with Iowa going down, they're now looking like they're probably going to be moving on up. They were number three this week, and it looks like they're going to be uh they're going to be sitting pretty right there for that college football for for those first rankings to come out, and they get a huge win. Against UCF, against a a American rival, there, athletic American American athletic rival there in UCF. So Cincinnati, they get the win there. Michigan State and Indiana, Indiana played them a lot closer than I think you would want them to if you're a fan of Sparty. And you know, prompts to prompts to Indiana for not. Not quitting on the season that hasn't quite gone the way I think they would have hoped it's gone, but none nonetheless, Michigan State there gets a win twenty to fifteen. Sound it does sound like a classic Big Ten game, right there. So sporty gets a win there on the road. Next Oklahoma State at Texas. Texas they were hoping to get back in the win column after losing a heartbreaker. Quite literally a heartbreaker to Oklahoma the week before. Oklahoma State, they've been undefeated the whole season. They stay undefeated as they knock off Texas here, 32-24. to And continue to rise up in the rankings as well. And knocks Texas out of the rankings. So, huge win there for Oklahoma State. Auburn at Arkansas. Arkansas is a little is in a little bit of trouble here now. Arkansas, they've now dropped three straight, I believe, and which, yeah, three straight losing to Georgia, losing to Ole Miss, and losing to Auburn. We said this stretch was going to be tough right before we got uh, right before we hit the stretch with A and M, Georgia, Auburn, Ole Miss, all these teams. We said it was going to be tough. And Arkansas coming out of the other side of it, one and three, I think you would hope it was a whole lot better, but start off good with a good a and m win, but that Georgia loss, that they got completely crushed in that game. I don't fault them for what they did again in that art in that old miss game, and then in this one against Auburn lose thirty eight to twenty three at home. Bo Nix and this Auburn team is looking pretty good right now. It looks like they're finding their stride as they're now ranked. So Auburn goes on the road and upsets Arkansas. Florida at LSU. I picked Florida in this one. LSU has not looked all that good this year. And of course, in the game, I say LSU has not looked good all this year. So I think they're probably going to lose. They probably played their best game of the season and them upsetting Florida and them knocking out Florida pretty well. And, of course, the news has been afterwards, LSU, Coach O, they're going to go the separate race. I know Matt is heartbroken at that news. So maybe Coach O finds another place to go and coach, and maybe he can become a fan of that team. Although, I know he's going to miss saying go Tigers all the time. So, LSU, they get the win 49-42. to 42. Davis Price from LSU, man, what a game. 287 yards rushing. That's a school record, too. And that's kind of crazy considering how many awesome running backs have come through the LSU program. So, Florida goes down to LSU at LSU 49-42. to 42. Moving on to the next one. We got Kentucky at Georgia. Number 11 versus number one. Going to decide the SEC East. And listen, props to Kentucky for playing as hard as they did. But this Georgia team is just too good right now. They're just too good. 30-13. Stetson Bennett right now is looking like... QB one, there after it looked like it was going to be JT Daniels. Looks like that injury has allowed. Sets and Ben to work himself up into that QB one role again. Brock Bowers, the freshman tight end out of Georgia, awesome game, a couple touchdowns, 101 yards receiving. So Georgia continues its stranglehold on the SEC East and a stranglehold on. That number one spot in all the land, right there. So Georgia wins that one, thirty to thirteen. Baylor at BYU. I picked Baylor in this one. Baylor's been pretty good this year. BYU has had its moments. It got knocked down the week prior, and Baylor gets a huge win at home, thirty-eight to twenty-four, as they knock off the number nineteen team in the country, and. They get a huge win. They probably find themselves back in the rankings once again with that win. Uh, I will skip the Ole Miss intensity game because I'm going to talk about that last and talk about everything that happened with that one in just a minute. So, NC State at Boston College, big ACC game right here with no clear favorite in the ACC. North Carolina State goes on the road, wins 33 to seven. And then, Arizona State at Utah. I didn't pick against Herm last week, and maybe I should have with how, uh, how they performed against Utah right there. Losing a huge lead that they had at halftime. And then completely blowing it against Utah. 35-21. to 21. Not what you want to see out of Herm Edwards. I'm sorry, Herm. I, 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 at this point, If I'm picking Arizona State games, I don't know whether to pick against them or pick for them at this point anymore. I don't know. So, Ole Miss Tennessee, let's talk about this game. So, obviously, I got this one wrong. I said it was a 50-50 game. And I went with my team. I went with the team I thought had the better defense out of the two. Ole Miss ended up winning this one. And this was a fun one. This was a fun game to watch, if uh, besides those last few minutes, thirty-one to twenty-six, MacRell not looking like himself, throwing it but running it. My goodness, one hundred ninety-five yards on the ground, talking about having a day there. And Hendon Hooker, two hundred thirty-three yards through the air. But all Miss they prevail, and Lane Kiffin's return to Rocky Top, thirty-one to twenty-six. This this is a fun game. This is this is a fun game. The opening of it, where if you guys saw, if you guys have seen how it opened up with the little light show, with them running out the tee, with the spotlight being it uh, being on there, with how it felt, with the night game being at Neyland, I'm not gonna lie, guys, I shed a couple tears. <laughs> I shed a couple tears at that opening, and I was like, this this is how this is how it feels. This is how. It felt probably back in the day when this this program was good and was actually competing, and you had awesome night games like this. this. is This is probably how electric it felt to be in that stadium. But it was a fun game. There was a couple bad calls. I don't know what the crap they were calling on that forward progress call where Matt Corral still had the ball. Tennessee looked like it had scored a touchdown. They took it away. I honestly had no clue. Well, honestly, going with that, with that call in mind, it's not exactly like this, but it kind of reminds me of that, if you guys know what I'm talking about, that scene in, in Semi-Pro, where they throw the alley-oop for the first time, and everybody's just dumbfounded. I was like, what just happened? How did we call this? And the ref doesn't know how to call it. Call it. Father Pat doesn't know how to call this. It was like, uh, foul two fouls or whatever it kind of felt like that as like what did they call here and i and i still don't get it and obviously the other call that that has been a there's been a lot of talk about is whether tennessee's tight end jacob warren was short on that play if he was short fine and it looked like he was short i mean listen it's i still don't like it i still don't like the call but it's not the uh, the absolute worst call that Tennessee has had in its, in the last several years. My problem is, is I think the re- one of the refs that made the call that it was short, one of the sideline judges, was like 20 or 30 yards down the field and wasn't in any position to make a call. So, like, t- I, I don't know. And the other thing that has kind of irked me is all the, all the injuries. Now, listen, some of the injuries may have been real. Like, it seems like the one with Matt Corral there at the end See, that one is real. Lane Kiffin has come out and said, like, he was pretty banged up after this game. And maybe that's what happens when he rushes for 195 yards, and he doesn't slide a whole lot, he takes a lot of hits. So, that that's probably what happened. That's how he probably got as banged up as he did. But, I mean, listen, all this fake entry stuff, it seemed like any time Tennessee was building some momentum, or where they hit a big play, player went down. Now, I will say Tennessee did have a player do the same thing. I don't know whether it's because his helmet was off and they didn't have enough time to bring in another man. They didn't have enough time to call a play there. So, I will say that. But as far as the fake injury stuff in college football is concerned, to stop a uh, stop play, to, to halt it, any positive momentum going on the other side, I don't know what we got to do about this, everybody. I I don't know. There's something that's got to be done. Like, crap, even Nick Saban is saying stuff about this. And if you know college football and the NCAA and SEC, Nick Saban's word is something to take notice of. So maybe a good, good St. Nick gets, gets in the ear of some of the higher-ups here. Like, hey, let's do something about this thing. It's ridiculous. And uh, I agree. I wouldn't want my team to do it. So let's find a way to get it out of the game and let's stop this momentum. That game went on longer than it should have. It went on longer than it should have. And whether, whether some of those guys were hurt or not, if they were all right, if they're not, and they were just do- doing that to stop playing, stop momentum. Like, let's get that out of the game. No place for the game. And then let's talk about the final few minutes where all uh, where it's just all chaos essentially broke loose in Nalen Stadium where with stuff being thrown uh, with inevitably elite Tennessee band and cheerleaders dancing having to leave the stadium because things were being thrown at them. Maybe that's just because how, how inaccurate some of the throwers were is my guess. But like you had stuff like water bottles, which it kind of showed like, hey, our, our fans drink some water, so there you go. And maybe they saw all the players were having cramps, and they decided, you know what, we're going to give these guys some water. Uh, you saw a golf ball being thrown at Lane Kiffin, which, again, why do you bring a golf ball? Like, why do you bring a golf ball? And then on top of that, a bottle of mustard. Like, I I, I thought Tennessee fans were weird, but this weird? Like, Why? <laughs> Why does a golf ball and a bottle of mustard need to be brought into the stadium? What intent do you have? Maybe the guy that, the person that threw the golf ball was like anticipated being upset at some point. That's my only guess. For the bottle of mustard, I have no rational reason as to why, <laughs> as to why that was brought in. I have no clue. It baffles me. But listen, that stuff at the end. It was a few, no, it was a few of those fans It wasn't all of them. And so now all Tennessee fans are getting a bad rap. So listen, those few fans, they should not have done that. They should not have done that. They acted terrible. I do get a sense of where they're coming from though. If you're a Tennessee fan, you've all had this sense of frustration. And that you, for the past, 12 13 15 years of this program of calls being made against it bad calls or things that didn't go your way that should have and all this stuff if anything they should have been more mad about about the call taking away that touchdown than the call at the end there but listen that has no place and i've seen a lot of people i've seen a couple People in the media say, like, this doesn't happen. Like, yes, it does. There's been videos of it happening. Maybe not to the extent that what happened on Saturday night, but it's happened. Crap. Old Miss, Miss and Tennessee game at Oxford. Stuff was thrown on, on the court at that game. It's happened before. So I don't know why we're saying, oh, like, you know, only Tennessee fans would do this. It's not the case. It's happened before. There's videos of it. Go and seek them out. If you don't go and seek them out, it's just like stop being lazy, you know. But with what happened there at the end, I do get a sense of frustration with what happened with the program over the last few years. Again, that's still no excuse for what happened there at the end. Still no excuse. I think you know it's a kind of like you know keeping your emotions in check. There's there are some that are better at keeping their emotions in check and checking keeping them balled up internally, others they want to, they want to not bottle them up and let them all out for everybody to hear and for you to you for you to do and so i again that frustration I think there are a lot of people again, if you ask any Tennessee fan and probably all Tennessee fans, there's been a lot of frustration. That they've had over the last few, several seasons. I just think there are some that were better at keeping that in check at that game than others. And what ruined was was a fun game, a fun, exciting, electric atmosphere. Yeah, this there at the end. So that it was a terrible way to end the game. There, I think I saw it where like Marty Smith tweeted, like you know this is how Tennessee was supposed to feel with the atmosphere, and I think I saw he deleted it. So. I mean, listen, it is as it is. At this point, I just don't care what anybody says anymore. Do I agree that it was bad and not a good look? Yes, but do I just care what anybody says about the fans of the program anymore? No, not at all. And and there's been a part of me that says, like, screw it. Let's be the villains, you know. Let's stop trying to be goody-goody two-shoes, and let's just be the villains of college football and find our way back, but. Again, it wasn't a good look at and a bad ending to what was a fun night in And Crap, Tennessee almost won this game at the end. (laughs) They almost won this game at the end. Hendon Hooker gets hurt there, and of course, Joe Milton's got to come in there. It's like, oh no, he's gonna he's gonna throw this football out of Neyland Stadium entirely. But they had to play there at the end to try to get it, and it was just a few inches short. And then he had that play there with Milton at the end. It's like well, what's going on there? Like, why are you running out of bounds? So a weird night in Naylon. I mean t- I mean with Tennessee, I mean, I, I you know, I, I feel like I've it, you've seen everything, but then you have something like that. It's like I haven't seen that before. But uh Omis, they come in there and they get the win 31-26. to 26. So, moving on to week number eight. Let's talk about week number eight. And talk about some of the games here. We got a couple of fun Big Ten matchups with Northwestern and Michigan. Let me tell you what, guys. The Big Ten is interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how all of this unfolds with Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State, Ohio State, with all these teams. How's this going to unfold the rest of the way? Who's going to be the team left standing there on the top? A lot of these teams have questions that need to be answered here in the next few weeks to decide that. We need to find out if Michigan is really for real this year. I'm going to pick Michigan to win this game. So we'll, we'll just have to see how everything rolls for for the Big Ten with all these teams. So give me Michigan here to win at home against Northwestern, Wisconsin at Purdue. Purdue, of course, getting into the rankings after knocking off after knocking off Iowa last week, who was a number two team in the country. So there's one team that might be knocked off, considering. What happens the rest of the way with the rest of the season? You know, I think, hmm, screw it. I think I'll go with Wisconsin for the upset. Wisconsin has has gone against me a couple times this year, but maybe this week is the week. Next up, Oklahoma State at Iowa State. Right now, Iowa State is sitting at a as the favorite of this game. Wow. Okay. Uh, Iowa State, seeing a seven-point favorite, we're close to it. That that's kind of crazy. It's not. It's not usual that it's really unusual that you see an unranked, two-loss team like Iowa State favored by a touchdown over an undefeated, top-10 team. Again, I know it's at Iowa State, but it's still kind of crazy to see this. But It seems like Iowa State's a favorite. I think I'm going to go against that. I'm going to go with the team that's been undefeated, that's ranked in the top 10 right now. So give me the Cowboys. Oregon at UCLA. Got a fun Pac-12 matchup here. It's essentially the Chip Kelly Bowl. (laughs) Last week we had the Manning Bowl. This week we have the Chip Kelly Bowl with Oregon and UCLA. Right now, UCLA is just a small favorite over Oregon. And I could see potentially see UCLA winning this game. I I can see it happening. Yo, know, UCLA their offense as, as Chip Kelly offense should. They rack up yards, especially on the ground. Oregon's had some injuries, hit their come their way. You know what? Yeah. Screw it. I'll go with the upset here. I'll go with UCLA. I'll take the team that has Chip Kelly now. Uh, LSU at Ole Miss. Of course, we know LSU, Coach O, he's going to finish out the season there. Ole Miss right now, they're celebrating Eli Manning there at this, during this game. Ole Miss is a nine-and-a-half point favorite at the moment in some cases. So give me Ole Miss here to win but you know what? i think lsu can make this interesting to say the least i think i can make this game fun and maybe give old miss some uh, some havoc there and cause some chaos but i think old miss wins at the end of the day i know i got usc on here so let me a- ask you guys this question first which job would you take I've, I've read an article about this which job would you take would you take the lsu job or the usc job Because those two jobs are looking like they're going to be the two premier ones open at the end of the season. Which one would you take? Would you take the LSU job, where you know you got a good recruiting ground, a rabid fan base, you're in the SEC, there's a lot of history around that program, and some of the same things here with USC. What's out west? Are you more laid back and you and you want to just chill and, and coach a team like USC, or would you rather, or would you Will have to wrestle with your team being talked about all all week long with LSU. So interesting argument there. Which you know, which job would you take, LSU or USC? With both those jobs being open at the end of the season. Really interesting conversation there. Uh, Clemson at Pittsburgh. Interesting one because you expect Clemson to be ranked and not Pitt. Well, how the tables have turned here, and Pitt being ranked twenty third in the country now and Clemson out of the rankings Clemson is an underdog in this game but hold on not so fast usually Corso again here Clemson as an underdog in the ACC in the last several seasons they've been pretty much money I think I saw it was like 15 and 5 here yeah Pitt has been the best team right now in the ACC but if Clemson is that as an underdog, with even with how they've been performing, <sighs> screw it. I think I'll take Clemson here. I think I'll I'll follow that logic with that record being underdogs in the ACC. And I'll go with that. And I'll take Clemson here. Tennessee, Alabama. Listen, Alabama here. Like, this is essentially an easy game for me, me to chalk up a win here. I just want everybody uh, Tennessee, to come out healthy and go into the bye week and get healthy, regroup, and get ready for Kentucky the following week because that one can be another 50-50 game where Tennessee could potentially win it. It just depends if things go their way for certain, for sure. Do I expect Tennessee to put up a little bit of fight? Yes, but do I expect Alabama to win and essentially win pretty easily at the end of the day? Yes, so give me Alabama here. Ohio State at Indiana. Again, Indiana played Michigan State close. Ohio State is not Michigan State. They got a more explosive offense with the weapons they have on there. So give me the Buckeyes here to go to Bloomington, Indiana and get the win here. Next up, speaking of USC, USC at Notre Dame. Could USC potentially play spoiler here? Again, anytime I feel like I. This is one of those things with Wisconsin this year. Anytime I feel like I pick for USC, it goes against me. And right now, Notre Dame is a seven seven point favorite. They're favored by touchdown. It's at home. You know what? I'm not going to go against. Notre Dame this week I'm not picking USC but you know what if USC wins this week I'm not surprised no not at all and then the final game that we're picking this week NC State at Miami Miami was a favorite in the ACC in the preseason NC State they've looked really good here in the first few weeks and I say I think they're gonna still look good going on the road and knocking off Miami so there's this week in college football everybody and that's this podcast wrapped up finished with a bow on it so thank you guys for tuning in and again check us out on stitcher soundcloud spotify itunes anchor wherever you guys get your podcasts check us out check out the entertainment channel as well check out the pod me and peter did that's out there talking about dc fandom talking about james bond and all that good stuff and check out the twitter account for the podcast as well 573 pods give us a follow on there so with that being said everybody hopefully you guys have a good rest of the week have a good weekend with all these sports in action until next week i'll talk to you guys next time